Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we are talking running backs today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 166. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with the running back coach from Temple University, Gabe Infante, who was recently named the Don Shula High School Coach of the Year for his work at St. Joe's Prep here in Philadelphia. Coach and I talked about the award, his coaching philosophy, and what he looks for at the running back position. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Really pleased to be joined this week by Gabe Infante, the running backs coach at Temple University, former head coach at St. Joe's Prep here in Philadelphia, and this year's Don Shula NFL head coach of the year at the high school level. Coach, Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, well, so tell, take us through this whole process. You know, I know you were, you were very heavily involved uh, with the Eagles and their high school football showdown. Uh, take us through just really that whole process, that whole event. Uh, what has it been like kind of interacting with the Eagles on this side and, uh, you know, during your role there with the prep? And what has it been like really winning this award? I know you were at the Pro Bowl a couple weeks ago. You were at the Super Bowl last week. Uh, take us through that whole process. Well, I've, I've had the good fortune over the years of working with the Eagles organization in many different capacities. Uh, as a USA football master trainer, I've run uh, player safety clinics here, and I've always had a great relationship with the Eagles. The Eagles have always been very good to me and to the organizations in the area, the high school programs and the youth organizations. So we've always had uh, you know, the open door here, uh, even pulling up to the facility this morning. You know, I've been here countless times. Yep. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's been an, uh, an amazing experience. Uh, I'm so grateful for the Eagles uh, to have supported me in that process. Uh, Dan Levy was, was great uh, in encouraging me to, to, you know, follow that process. And, um, you know, the uh, winning of the award was very humbling. Um, Honestly, very shocking to me. Sure. Um, I think one of my friends who's known me for a long time kind of watched me on, on TV when they, when they presented the award and said, it's not like you to get choked up like that. <laughs> and, you know, it was just reflecting on, you know, 22 years, you know, in the making. You know, sure. A, a very long road, um, a lot of great memories, a lot of, lot of tough moments. Yeah. Um, but just a, an awesome experience to, you know, be able to see – the Super Bowl, what a great spectacle sure. that was. I wish the Eagles would have been in it. Yep, that's right. You but and me both. as I was talking to, to Dan earlier, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, we won the Don Shula Award as, you know, Philadelphia residents. And, and then to have, uh, you know, Chris Long win the Man of the Year, yeah. you know, uh, was was a pretty pretty good accomplishment for us this year. Yeah, I got to think that it was kind of a whirlwind those couple of weeks, and really a, a well deserved honor. So congratulations once thank again. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so let me ask you this now, because now you're uh, you're taking up residence in, in my old stomping grounds. <laughs> what what has the the transition been like going from from the prep to now to Temple University at uh, Edberg Olson Hall? Yeah, it's it. You know, I've we've as as a school we've practiced there, and again yep. always had a great relationship with with Temple uh, when I was at the prep. 
we have a couple players there now. Yep. We've always had a great relationship. Um, they've always done a great job of recruiting our school. Uh, our two institutions have had a great relationship over the years. Um, so to be honest with you, the transition has been, you know, kind of nice because I feel like that a lot like the Eagles. It's been a place where I've spent a lot of time, mm. you know, as a high school coach in the area. Um, the people have been incredibly welcoming. Um, you know, I, I see similarities between the two institutions and the pride that people have. Yep. You know, there's a tremendous amount of pride associated with the prep. And I see that same pride with Temple. Um, I see a lot of similarities in our kids. Um, the kids at both places, uh, very hungry, uh, a tremendous brotherhood amongst the kids. Yeah. You know, um, the prep has always been well known for that. And, you know, in my early days, you know, with Temple and, and, the, and the, the players there, I see the same kind of, you know, camaraderie. I think, it, I think it's something probably that's, that's, uh, that's unique to the area. Yep. You know, tough areas. Sure, no question. You know, tough kids, tough, yeah. tough people. Um, and so there's something about the area that I think creates that kind of atmosphere, and it's something I thrive in. You know, I really enjoy it. So I was a little nervous about making the transition in my early days of, of meeting our team and our kids and our coaches. You know, it, I, it, it's it's great to feel a, a sense of belonging. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, I feel like that's – you know, there's only a couple coaches that are still there from from when I was there. You know, Ed Foley uh, was there. I mean, and Ed is is a class act, obviously one of the best, and um, you know, got a, got a lot of buzz this year from uh, his, from his speeches and his oh, press yeah. conferences and leading up to the bowl game. But uh, Foles is one of the best. But uh, I got to ask you this question too before we get into X's and O's. Uh, what was it like being on the other side of signing day? Because that, that <laughs> with on top of the you, know, you got the Pro Bowl, you got the Super Bowl, you got everything else going on. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, signing day right after all that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was that like being on the other side of it? Um, interesting to watch. Yeah, you know, it's almost like uh, like the Wizard of Oz and getting a a chance to see behind the curtain. Sure, um, but it's changed a lot, you know. And and yesterday, sitting in the war room and 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 you know having Coach Carey, you know, basically talk about how it used to be right right because now you have the early signing period which is where the bulk of the signings happen yep and and this has really now become kind of an you know not an afterthought we, we had a great player sign with us yesterday uh, but you know it, it's a little anticlimactic in the sense that probably most of the work now happens so it was a little bit more relaxed I'm sure that it will be next year when we get to that first signing signing day but still pretty exciting you know to continue to uh, bring great, great people into the family. So, uh, you know, it's, it's unique. 22 years on one side of the desk. Sure. And now, now starting to see what happens on, on this side of the desk is, uh, has been interesting. All right. So let me ask you this question. I, I'm going into this completely blind. I have no idea how you're going to answer this. As a coach, what gives you the most juice from an X and O standpoint or from a teaching standpoint, a coaching standpoint? What uh, gets you the most fired up? I know you're coaching the running backs now, but is there an area of the game that uh, you know, really gets you the most fired up when, when trying to teach these young kids? I mean, I, I, I think coaching is teaching and teaching is coaching. I still get a tremendous high from when I see a kid get something, mm. you know, like truly where the, when the light bulb comes on and then – when I see that transfer to practice and then a game and a film is, is extremely exhilarating, mm. you know, as a coach. Sure. It's, it's something when you feel like you've made that difference. Yeah. You know, when you start with a, a concept, you know, a philosophy, you think you have a solution or you think you have an idea, and then you're able to kind of whittle that down and then present it and then be able to drill it 
and then be able to see it produce results. Mm. That is a very exciting part. Whether it's defense or offense, as a high school coach, I did it all. Sure, you know, so you're 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 dealing with a lot of different issues. Uh, but even like in the early days now, sitting in the staff room and and listening to the you know our offense and how we're going to install that, and then in brief meetings with guys and starting to try and install that. Yeah, I still get really excited about. How do I present this better? How do I get the kids to retain this? How do I organize the material so that you know they can retain more information quicker so that we can focus on on other things right yeah. You only have so much amount of time and so the teaching aspect of it, the formulating of an install, the formulating of a teaching progression yep. is something that I love because i I really do think that that's like the key to coaching yeah you know so there are guys that are really good on a board. There are guys that are really good in-game managers, but the ability to take an idea and get a player to execute that and to see it provide dividends in a game, to me, is the most exciting part of coaching. I was going to say, and it's probably, obviously it's changed so much with technology, right, with how you're able to try and teach these kids. And it's got to be fun, too, from that end because – all these guys, they learn differently, right? You know, some guys are visual learners. Some guys like to kind of rep it out. Yeah, is, that, is that a part of it, uh, just trying to figure out and trying to see how each of these guys tick? Yeah, I think like most teachers, like, you know, again, having worked in secondary educational institutions, yeah. you know, being a part of a faculty and watching how technology has changed the way teachers teach in the classroom, right? Uh, you know, I think are, has helped me become a better coach. Yeah. Sure. Right. Um, I mean, you know, uh, maybe maybe Google will, will sponsor me or something. But, you know, <laughs> and even using like Google Docs and the ability to communicate with players sure. and be able to create uh, I, I, practice schedules where, you know, coaches are now interacting, you know, through technology, you know, has cut down on a lot of things, you know, has cut down on 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 meeting time and provided better quality of life for yep. people and still be able to communicate you know, round the clock, you know, so yeah, I, th- I think those things, you know, the innovation in technology and the innovation in how we present material, you know, has really changed dramatically. Mm. You know, even uh, when I started coaching, you know, we were using DVDs, you no know, question. so to, yep. to burn enough DVDs to get them, <laughs> you know, and, and, and coaching high school football, I can remember exchanging tape with coaches where you'd have to like, you know, it was like some type of like CIA operative where you had to meet at a at, an, at, yeah. at, a, at, a, at a, a rest stop somewhere on the turnpike and exchange tape, and now you know you you click a button, you send all your tape, you know, online. So even in that way, and the ability to draw on plays yep. and create little you know little snippets underneath a play to be able to instruct kids, or you know, so it's changed so dramatically over the years. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to believe I'm still coaching the same game I started coaching 20 years ago. I like to think that I'm not even like that old, but my first year when I was at Temple, we were still dropping off tapes to the airport to you know to ship over to, oh, we're playing UConn this week, or we're playing Clemson this week, or we're driving, like you said, to a rest stop. Oh, we're, we'll meet halfway between uh, you know between Philly and UConn. We'll meet in New York, and we'll, we'll change. To, it's crazy how different it is now compared to when it was. I mean, I'm going to be dating. I'm going to date myself for a second, <laughs> you know, but I can remember the 16-millimeter films when I played. Right. Yep. Where when you were being recruited, you could only send one canister. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you'd put the canister in the mail. One school could look at your <laughs> film. I don't know how coaches watched any other tape yep. while, while your film was out. Uh, you know, it's changed so dramatically where now, you know, even from a recruiting perspective, whether I was sending 
ta- you know tape of one of our players or now as a coach yeah you know it's texted to you sure you know you're watching it on your phone you know so I had to buy a slightly bigger phone because I'm getting older now <laughs> and to watch and I watch my film on my phone yeah right you know so uh, yeah it's 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 incredible but yeah it's changed the way we teach uh, you know I I think most people are visual learners so having iPads laptops phones yep. you know being able to get information to kids in that way has become a big part of how we teach all right well let's get into the running back position here because uh, i, I want to pick your brain i'm gonna ask you a few questions uh first what's the one trait for a running back that people don't necessarily think of that is really really important for a guy to have success you know at the division we'll say at the division one level or even going on to the nfl as well you know i just had a, I, I just had a conversation with one of my former players uh who's who's playing college football and uh, I actually called him last night to talk to him a little bit about that. And the one thing he brought up to me right away, which seems to be consistent, is the the the, the protection aspect yeah. of playing of, of playing the back. And I think certain characteristics characteristics are are akin to the position, right? Mm. They're the tangibles of speed and size and agility. Uh, but at this level and at the above level, the ability to be uh, what we call a four-down, four-yard back, yep. right? The di- how dynamic those players have to be today, right? They've got to be obviously cha- game breakers, right? Game changers, no question. They've got to be able to have the ability to influence the game. Yep. As as I've told our backs, you've got to influence the game. Yeah. You got to dictate, you know, how the game is played. Uh, that's a given. Uh, the ability to run between the tackles, so toughness, durability. Yep. Right. Even though in today's in today's game, you know, you see a lot more backs in a game than you see the traditional old school one back carrying the ball 25, 30 times. But uh, the toughness, the durability, guys are bigger, they're stronger. The game is, you know, contrary to what people might believe, it's still a pretty violent game. So um, the ability to take that punishment um, because of the spread offense and the style of play, the ability to be a great route runner yeah. and pass catcher, you know, I think increases your value. And then again, you know, the ability to block and protect, the, the, the ability to understand protections, you know, so that you don't have to come out of the game, yep. right? So that dynamic player that allows you to keep him on the field. So, you know, on third and short, he can run the ball. Obviously, he's there on first down to be able to, you know, uh, change the game, protect on third downs, and yep. then still be able to get out. And, and run routes and create those mismatches that we're all looking for, right, yeah. where we're trying to get a mismatch in certain coverages against a backer or a safety. So, um, but of all those, you know, uh, in today's game, it seems like the ability to protect is something that, you know, is coveted. Yeah. And, and to me, it's, it's toughness. You know, it's always going to be about toughness. So you want guys that are going to be durable and, you know, are going are, are gonna to play through some stuff and, and take care of their bodies. I yeah. tell our guys, like, yeah, yeah, take care of your bodies. Like, that's that's very critical. What's the uh, when it comes to the protection aspect? Obviously, every guy's different. What's the harder part to kind of instill in a guy? Is it the the mental aspect of you know just kind of knowing your assignment, being able to read the defense, understand who's coming, and what your role is in the protection, or is it just the the, comp- the toughness aspect of it? you're willing to stick your face in the fan? No, I, I I think at this level, guys who play are are tough. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, I don't think it comes down to that. I, 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 but, I, but you know, guys who think on a football field tend to lose athleticism. Sure. Right? So it's getting guys to be able to 
process information fast, feel comfortable with what they're seeing. Yep. And and you know, people talk about playing fast and, and young kids focus on, you know, getting stronger or sprinting or they focus on that forty time and you know, that they think that that's gonna help them play faster. And I tell our players all the time, a lot of times it's your eyes and your ability to process information no that question. helps you play faster. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's not about being faster. It's about playing faster, yep. and a lot of times guys play slow because they their eyes are in the wrong place. They're they're not sure what they're looking at. They yeah. can't process things, um, and a lot of that comes through film study. So it's mm. like everything: the the more you study it, the more familiar you become with it, the more comfortable you become, the quicker you're able to process process that in the game, and then the faster you play. Sure, you so- know. Um, Along those lines, then, uh, one question I wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people will point to running backs coming out in the draft and say, you know, this guy, uh, he's going to run 4-4. He's got great feet. What, what does it look like to have great feet? Because sometimes a guy might be, you know, 225, and, you know, might, might be a bigger back, but he's, all, he's got really light feet. What does it look like on film for a guy to have great feet? Well, the, the ability to see something and react to it, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know, if you, I always say the great ones make it look easy. Yeah. You know, they, they just make it look, they make you feel like you can do it. Right. And, and, but at the end of the day, to me, light feet or quick feet or, or agility is about being able to see things and react to them uh, and, and, and be effective, mm. right? Because you can react to it. You know, I throw a bag at your legs and you might see it and jump out of the way, but you might fall down. Right. You know, so uh, the great ones that I've been fortunate enough to coach and see not only can see it and react to it, but then can reaccelerate. Sure. Right. So they, they rarely break stride or they re- rarely slow down. You know, if, if you look at some of the really good backs, you know, what I think separates them is the ability to make a cut without truly decelerating. Without question. Right. Because there are other guys tracking you at that point. Yep. So the ability to see something, react to it, and then be able to reaccelerate. Yeah or maintain your acceleration so that the other guys that are tracking you don't close on you yeah. is a really important skill, right? Because I mean, that's like a le- the, Saquon Barkley is like, I mean, he's a freak show, but that's like you watched him last year with the Giants, and that's something that, you know, he'll make a cut at top speed. It might be in traffic. It might be along the sideline. It might be out in space at the third level. He's not slowing down. I mean, he's still maintaining top speed. No, and it's always about vision, right? So, I mean, again, you know, being a high school coach, I've coached on both sides of the ball, and, I, you know, I always – you know, I guess, you know, consider myself a little bit more of a defensive guy because that's where I started my career. Yeah. You know, but it's always making those guys understand that there are 11 guys tracking you. You know, so the ability sure. to identify, you know, your most dangerous man in that situation and be able to make him miss or take away his angle or mm. take away his leverage, you know, uh, is, is a critical aspect. And yeah. to be able to do that quickly without decelerating, right? Because, again... You know, uh, when we used to teach uh, our guys as far as tracking backs, yeah. you know, we'd say he really can only focus on one of you at a time. Right. So if he's got eyes on you, it's really your job to be able to keep him in front of you while other guys track that him. That makes sense. Right? Okay. So we're, yep. we're playing as a unit here. So you have to run to the football. You guys who play for me will laugh at that one because that's, <laughs> that's you know, uh, something I say commonly. But as a back, then it's the ability to make guys miss and then find the next one and keep working your way through that without decelerating and without, you know, uh, focusing too much on one guy. Sure. And then, I mean, this will be the last question about the backs is uh, – you talk about vision, and really I think that, that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You talk about a guy's ability to react on the fly and be able to execute an athletic move. 
is that something that you feel is easily coachable or is that something that's kind of it's naturally just God-given? A guy's got No, it. I think you can improve everybody's vision yeah. because to me vision is about anticipation. Um, so helping backs understand – I don't know how many backs spend a lot of time on understanding defensive fronts mm. and understanding blocking schemes Sure, and, and trying to understand – you know, where things may open. So I've always said, you know, if you're lucky enough to be the kind of guy who's got the ability to find space and have the acceleration and the agility to do that and then find that hole, God bless you. But most guys, I think, do a great job of understanding where things are, how a play is is blocked and who the key block is and to be able to understand and anticipate where that space may open. So I, like everything, some guys are, are born more natural that, but I think every player can improve their vision mm. by learning fronts, learning blocking schemes, and then anticipating where those things may, where, where their you know, daylight may open, so sure. to speak. Gabe Infante, the Don Shula, NFL high school coach. We appreciate the time here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Best of luck uh, as the transition continues, Coach. Great. Thank you. Great stuff from Coach Infante. You could follow him just like I do on Twitter at G Infante, I N F A N T E M T. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know, I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on every form of social media. And that is just one way to support this show because the other is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, and even leave us a comment. I want to give a shout-out to two people this week who went on to our Apple Podcast page. First up is River DDT, who left a five-star review and commented saying how much they enjoy listening to this show each week and every week. So thank you, River. I do appreciate that. And then we also got a question from Matt, who left the following on our Apple Podcast page along with that five-star review. Fran, you and Greg mentioned that it's hard to evaluate Nelson Aguilar this past season because of the injuries to Mike Wallace and Mac Hollins, and I think that's true. When watching your All-22s on the intermediate throws to Alshon or to Zach Gertz, I frequently saw Nelson taking the job of running deep to hold the safety. Nelson is bracketed deep and short, which clears out the intermediate space. In our Super Bowl season, I saw Torrey Smith and even Hollins doing this job, which permitted Nelson to be a primary target. Given that resources are limited, I'd like to see the Eagles bring back Nelson, Wallace, and Hollins to let Nelson shine and not use his resources on some flashy new speed receiver. Just my two cents. Well, Matt, I do appreciate the question, and I think it's an interesting topic. Look, Anytime you're talking about the passing game, there are a million and one factors to lead to who gets the football. And I've said this so many times, right? Because all 11 pieces work together on the field, and the 11 pieces on the other side for the defense, they're trying to combat what you're trying to do. So you're right. With Nelson playing a little bit more on the outside this year, he did do a little bit more in terms of having to be that field stretcher, taking the top off the defense, expand coverage, create those voids underneath, right, for Zach Gertz and Alshon Jeffrey and others. Dallas Goddard was a big part of that as well in that part of the field in that intermediate area. So that's not to say that Nelson was only used that, that way because he did run plenty of routes over the middle of the field, but, uh, you know, and he ran, you know, obviously, look, he ran those routes underneath as well to shallow crosses and things like that. He was a big part of the mesh concept over the middle of the field. But, yeah. That role was a little bit different for him this year, and I, and I would agree with that statement. Now, on that topic, and this is just, you know, this is kind of taking it back big picture, when it comes to the passing game, it's often very difficult to make sweeping judgments, right? Because there are occasions, and we've seen this in the past. Actually, 
I've got a great example. Remember that blowout win over the Arizona Cardinals back in 2017? Carson Wentz went off for a few touchdowns. I think they scored like 35 points or so in the first half. And one of those touchdowns was that long bomb that he threw to Torrey Smith down the field, deep post route. And on that play, remember, it was initially a run play. It was going to be a run to the left. I think Wendell Smallwood was the running back. It was going to be a draw that way. Doug Peterson broke this down on Eagles game plan. Carson goes to the line of scrimmage, changes the play because it was a bad look to run into. So he changed it right before the snap. He audibles out of it and changes it to that mesh concept, a play we've broken down a million times, video, print, even here on the podcast, basically where you've got three shallow crossing routes right over the ball and a wheel route from the running back out of the backfield. Those are the typical progressions for the quarterback. That's the, Those are the four options that he's typically going to work through. Well, this is not obviously a vertical passing play, and the fifth option for that was Torrey Smith on the outside running that deep post. Now, uh, Carson comes to the line of scrimmage after the audible. He takes the snap. He sees that the safeties are playing extremely shallow. He did get a little bit of a pre-snap look at that. They're playing close to the line of scrimmage. That fifth receiver, like I said, was Torrey Smith. He's running that deep post down the middle of the field. The depth of the safeties was an alert for Wentz. And so he pulled the trigger down the field, threw a perfect pass. Torrey runs under it, went for a touchdown. So why do I bring this up? You know, Torrey Smith was not a part of the progression of that play. He's the last receiver that would get the ball, and I would say 99 times out of 100, maybe 999 times out of 1,000. I mean, that play almost never goes to that receiver. But on this play, the safeties played shallow. Carson read it. And that's where the ball went. The ball, was, it wasn't even a pass to begin with. It was a run play to begin with coming from the sideline. So, you know, this was supposed to be, again, a run to the left. It ends up being a deep ball touchdown to the vertical threat that's on the backside of a four-man route concept in the middle of the field. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there are so many different things that can affect the outcome of any given play. Uh, you know, that can, comes down to the decisions made by the quarterback, the receivers, the defenders, so on and so forth. So bring this back to the what you mentioned, Matt, about Nelson and his role and any receiver in this offense. Yeah, there were plays this year where you know Nelson may have been a vertical stretch guy. He was used down the field, and that did help open things up underneath. But you also remember there was even the play, that audible play, uh, that Nick Foles threw the touchdown against the Houston Texans. Again, another play where he's audibled out into a different play. Now all of a sudden, Nelson is the target, and he ends up being the recipient of a long touchdown pass. Now, Overall, over the course of the season, maybe that didn't always result in Nelson getting a ton of targets. And so I would agree with you when you're talking about his usability or his usage, I should say, uh, how he was utilized this year as a receiver. Maybe that role didn't always result in him getting as as many targets. Um, That's obviously not a knock on his ability. This is the same guy that was such a big part of the Super Bowl run back in 2017, like you said, just two seasons ago. But that usage changed, not to mention that the offense had some issues getting going at times as well. So you know, I know I said this on Eagles game plan uh, probably midseason. You know, there were games where instead of running 75 to 80 plays on offense, you know, maybe they only ran 50 to 55 plays. That's 25 less snaps. That's maybe, you know, 15, 20 less passes in a game. And those 15 to 20 targets, they get spread around to so many different people. So when the offense isn't running well, now all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the targets, the opportunities for players start to dwindle. So, um, you know, the passing game and offense in general is just very funny that way. I'm glad you took notice of it. Thank you, Matt, for the question. Thank you as always for listening each week and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on philadelphiaeagles.com all right great stuff this week from gabe and fonte and all of you out there listening whether you're on apple Podcasts, stitcher TuneIn, spotify google play and of course on philadelphiaeagles.com and the eagles mobile app thank you again one last time take a few seconds go rate the show leave us a comment don't be afraid to leave a question on there i'll tell you what that question from matt 
That's the last one in the queue. So if you want to kind of uh, show up a next week's show, maybe be a center point of what we're going to talk about in next week's podcast, now's the time. Go leave a five-star rating, leave a comment, and you can, uh, you can come up with a show idea potentially for the next couple of weeks. But uh, that being said, that'll do it. Another show of the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.